Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's Wednesday. We're recording. We Hello. have all of our snacks and our coffees. We are ready. We are in a mammoth session and Caroline has brought all of the sugar. Do you know what? I really need it for the conversation we're about to have, though. We are going back in time. Oh, we should have brought tea and toast. Oh, mine was burnt. I was really not happy about it. Tea and toast because this episode is the birth stretch. Supported <laughs> by Pregnacare. This might be one of the only things that we had a similar situation on in that we both had let's just say say the word vaginal let's get it out there vagina vaginal births usually we're like I had this I had this we had the same kind of birth usually I'm saying I had a terrible time (laughs) Um, so far for almost everything that I've we've discussed but I have to say I mean obviously it wasn't a walk in the park it wasn't a human um, exited you a human exited there was a lot of pain involved but my birth experience was doable and I don't feel traumatised by it and I know that's not Hurrah! everyone's experience but that's something I don't feel like we landed on your sweet spot so all you need to do all the time keep is giving keep birth. giving birth yeah be a baby factory for us but you know why I found it doable is because why? mentally drugs <laughs> well of course mm. but mentally because I was like you're at the finish line oh yes because yes somewhere along your pregnancy you thought that birth would be the easier bit yeah or like, at least the gateway. I'm, summit, I'm reaching the summit. The gateway into the easy zone. And then it's just going to be easy falling down the mountain. Okay, I mean, so I just we fell need, off the cliff. <laughs> maybe we need to lie to you more. Yes. And convince your little, whatever whatever little hamsters in the wheel that the next phase is going to be really simple. And then you think that this one is. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I think we're so much more prepared for birth, aren't we? But this is this the whole thing. Like, we're, it's all this funnel of support and um, checkups and we're going to check your blood and we're going to check your weight and we're going to check this and we're going to check that and we're going to check the measurements and it's all check, check, check and then you're told by someone you trust everything is okay, everything's on track and everything's doing this and then on the other side you're like, out you go now. I know. With a couple couple of leaflets about vitamin D. (laughs) We may or may not call you for a visit. Uh, Sure lucky the grand. And anyway. for both of us anyway, on, on your second and on my first, it was also all of that in the context of a pandemic where yeah. there really isn't any supports. There was I didn't go to a single mother baby group. Um, and I do think for for parents who've given birth in, in, in COVID, I probably also underestimate the significance of that, of, of how abnormal it was to mm. be going through that alone in the hospital. And, you know, I remember... Like, you know, you need you need your partner there. You need someone there who's on this journey with you who can even just go and get you a glass of water while you're in the middle of a contraction or mop your brow or if you've had a section or something, help you lift up. So that alone 
mm. I think really impacted people's birthing experiences and there might be some you know, trauma there, even if things went well, for me, I, there, there probably is a bit of trauma in that I I feel like that was so hard to go through. But if I went through it again, hopefully now, mm. it would be a different scenario. I'd have my person there who would be able to advocate for me for when, you know, I need something or, or just be, just balance out you when you're in the throes of it. Um, so I think we need to start by acknowledging that if you've given birth in the last few years. It was not normal. It was not normal at all. Uh, and we, and you can compare the two because you did one in. I can compare the two, but it's hard also to compare the two because I think any second birth, you know what you're going into. So, for instance, I would have, I would have been very conscious of what was happening in the maternity wards, in our lockdowns, in the restrictions. I would have been following everything, but I was following everything with a sense of inner reassurance. I've done this before. Yeah. And I think that's an unfair um, comparison then, because had I been expo- exposed to all of that, you know, in terms of media and fear and a constant what's going to happen. And I hadn't had that voice inside me that was like, yeah, but do you remember you did it before? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I would have co- coped or approached it. Yeah. Um, not particularly well, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine anyone who would approach it well their first time because you're so out of your depth. You're so beyond your terms of everyday reference. You know, it's... But you did. Like, so that's what I mean. Like, you were in that same zone. Yeah. And you didn't have that inner voice that said... No. Hey, yeah, I've done this before. I know what to expect. So how did you manage your head? Or was it simply the pregnancy was just so hard that you were like, get me to that day. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't care if Barry is there. Just get me to that day. I think oddly, I don't know if you felt this, but I got really calm towards the end when, mm. I mean, I think I was I was pretty calm through my pregnancy. Apart from being sick and it being difficult physically, I didn't have the headspace or the time to worry. I was just trying to get through the day. And when it got close to the birth, something hormonally shifted in me mm. where I was like, you know, this is going to happen. I can do this. And maybe there's something going on where your body is like preparing yeah, you. You go very... Zen. Very zen. And I remember the day I went into labour, I went for brunch and a drive with my friend Joe, And she was like, Caroline, like, you're freaking me out. Like, yeah. you are about to pop and you are uncharacteristically calm right now. Yeah. And I was like buying fucking faux foliage. And I was like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's going to happen. It's fine. I remember saying, I said, my one concern was that I really like my sleep and I'm not looking forward to having less sleep. Little did I know. Um, but as for the birth, I was like, it's going to be fine. And and it was. I love how you're out buying f- fake foliage. I was uh, nesting. Like, yeah. I bought a vase and some fake foliage. Faux foliage to sound nicer. Fake sounds terrible. Um, and I had, mean, the priorities. Had lovely pancakes. Well, like, I was so prepared. I had yeah, bought two okay. of everything. Like, okay. that could possibly be needed. I was ready to go. Um, and then went into labour that later that day. And I think, again, like, when you're in the throes of it, you you really just you're in it now mm. I'm, I I have to just I'm here now I can't go backwards I can't opt out of this now and some real I don't know incredible strength comes from mm. somewhere that you just go through it and you know I had to go in Barry had to like leave me at the door and I had to like basically crawl into the to the reception How, uh, how in labour were you? Firstly go back because I always think that we that women always hear this like oh I was you know labour started but then when you're in it, you're like, is this labour starting? Yeah. So I, so how I, did labour start? So I started, so it started at about 5pm in the day. I started to get cramps and Barry was like, oh, I'm off out later. Like, I'm sure it's just, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I ate like a tub of Ben and Jerry's 
and in the garden. I was delighted with life. I was like, mm, I don't know. And then I started to get them more and more. And then we started to time them. And I got into the bath. Were you on due date, before due date, after due date? I was early, very early. So I was, remember I was going to have a planned section. Okay. So I was actually 10 days early, earlier than my due date. When I was like, this is not the plan. Um, and why were you, did you have a planned section? I think partly because I wanted to control what was happening. Another part was um, my... Uh, consultant had had kind of advised it because my pelvic girdle pain was so bad. Mm. Now that's not to say that people can't. I mean, I did give birth with, with with pelvic girdle pain. I did suffer with my pelvis afterwards, but he kind of just said, "Look, you can do a section if you want." A lot of people with bad pelvic girdle pain do opt for a section, um, and I think a part of it was me just wanting to control because the mm. the pregnancy had been so like unknown and I didn't know what to expect and I felt so out of control with the sickness and everything that I just I don't know I think it was me trying to just claw back some this is when it's happening and this is how it's going to happen didn't go that way and to be honest I was delighted then because Mm. I didn't think I'd be able for birth and then I did it and I was able for it so that was a really nice feeling I think afterwards um but so I so yeah I started to go in and have all these cramps and I um I got onto my consultant so we were timing them and they like they were you know whatever is it three minutes three and three contractions in three minutes or I had an app yeah we were timing them and I was like Barry like I think I'm actually in labour here like so we went into the hospital about eight or nine p.m. and they checked me and I was two centimeters dilated and I was um you know, having really bad contractions but they were like it's going to be a while yet before you know you've a while to go so like because your partner can't be in here why don't you go home get in the bath have mm. some paracetamol <laughs> like that did fucking anything have your partner there to soothe you get in the bath and I was like fine went home got in the bath I was at that point like quite in agony mm. and you know everything ejects from your body both ends because it's like there's something else coming we need to make room that kind of unnerved me a bit because I started to feel a little bit out of control but I was like Barry do you know what you're absolutely feck all used to me here because you can't you know put an epidural in my back or whatever so at at about 1am I was like I need to go back in now I need some more intervention here I can't this pain is a little bit too much for me to handle so we went back in and they're like I decided to stay in then I wasn't going to try and go back again at that point I really was in the throes of it um and I remember I got to, I clawed my way to the reception desk and they were like, you're not on the list. And I was like, well, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> and it, it like, as you can see, and they were like, yeah, but your consultant should have put you down. Like he's, he, he didn't send across your information. And I was like, um, I don't know what to tell you right now, but like, yeah. I'm not here to like take a tour. I'm here t- to have a baby. That was a little bit stressful. And, uh, then I kind of then I was sitting in the waiting room, which is a little bit like you're waiting for a bus, um, and a lot of women, and it's that's a really sensitive spot because a lot of women are in there, in different situations. Mm-hmm. Some people are ready to give birth. Some people are there with no bump, who are you know going through different mm-hmm. things. So you're trying really hard to just keep to yourself and not impact anyone else's experience. Of course. Um, and then eventually I got brought up to a bed, and uh, very soon after I got the pethidine injections which help uh, with I didn't know about them beforehand but they were like we can give you these injections they helped massively but they made me feel very sick and I started to throw up I didn't take it for that reason and I didn't know that Mm. I didn't know that until I'd because she said I can give you an anti-nausea medication which she did and that did help and then once I got the pethidine and she was able to like stay on time timing with that um, I was actually quite okay like the contractions were really intense but like 
they call them surges in the hypnobirthing course and I was trying so hard to hold on to all that mentality and I was like this surge is killing me Um, and then I think I must have fallen asleep because the pethidine really did help and I was woke up the next morning it started to really ramp up then um, at about she can't, you know, they keep checking you, but they don't want to check your dilation too often because they don't want to risk infection. Of course, yeah. um, but I was like, stick your fingers up there and tell me where I'm at. Uh, eventually, Caroline was... wandering the corridors yeah. with her legs spread. Yeah, Someone please check. <laughs> eventually, I was, I was good to go, and it was like, right, your husband can come in now. So only he could come in when I was ready to go to the to get my epidural and go to the delivery room. So you have to be four centimeters dilated for that mm. to happen. That's what they told me. I was delighted at that point. And at that point, because I knew he was coming in and I knew I was close to close to getting the epidural. More finish line, kind of. More finish line. Yeah. I was like, you've gotten through the night. You've been here alone. Yeah. You've gotten up and crawled over and got yourself a glass of water. Like, you have done incredible just to be here. And again, like, you just have to go through it. Your body's mm. just taking strength from places you didn't think you had it. Um, and then, yeah, and then Barry came in and he was just like, Joe, he was like, this is weird. Like, you're so calm. I was like, I'm heavily drugged. Um. Now, I got the I got the epidural. I decided I I'm not going to try and prove anything to myself here. I really need it. It worked for me. It worked wonderfully. I could still feel all of the surges, and then it starts to wear off. And of course, mm. you feel it really intensely, and you need to get it topped up. Um, and then when it came to the pushing, it was wonderful. Like mm. I just felt so empowered and so strong, and I just was looking at Barry, looking at me, like he was in awe of me. And it was an incredible moment. It was such. An unbelievable thing to do. Um, and I think like with all of the challenges and difficulties, I, like it's really good to go back and remember that mm. moment of power because you could feel quite powerless on either side of, of it. Um, and I pushed when they told me not to push because, you know, they take, okay, now take a breath and now push. And at one point I misunderstood and I pushed when I wasn't meant to. And he came flying out a bit of me, some bit of, I don't know, matter or organ flew up into the air and splattered into my consultant's face. Nice. He got the fright of his life. It was really funny. Um, And there he was. And there was a little difficulty after with his breathing. There was some mucus or something. So a few people rushed in and they didn't really communicate that with us because they were didn't want to worry us. So they mm. took Caelan away to just sort him out um, and then put him back on my chest and then like pretty straight away latched onto my boob. And that was it. I was done. And then like, I mean, I think about a half an hour later, I got up and walked. And then there was my baby. And it was, yeah, incredible. Did you have that massive hormonal, like post birth euphoria of like, I am the queen of the world. Like, look at what I've just achieved. I think I did. I don't know if I physically felt that. Like, I don't know if I felt like this massive surge of like mm. beautiful feeling hormones. I think mentally I just was like mm. so proud of myself. Um, but I was, once that was done, I was then kind of shifting into like quickly anticipating that the time of day that it was. So it was about like half five. I knew that Barry was going to have to be kicked mm-hmm. out. And then I was like, back oh, to COVID. Shit. <laughs> now I don't know what to do. Okay. Um, so I had like, a, we had like about an hour or two of that bliss of... Mm sitting there together and you know not feeling any pain and it was lovely and and then I really unfortunately very quickly switched into panic mode because I mm. was put in a wheelchair with Caitlin and then the elevator doors just <laughs> closed over with Barry waving goodbye and brought to um, a ward with several different women on it and women who were like a woman beside me was on like her fifth or sixth child mm. 
And she just was so like calm and collected. And she'd be like, you're grand. You're absolutely grand. And I was like, um, I don't know. And I so then it turned a corner for me in a direction mm. that it was not very nice. Um, but the actual experience of giving birth, the thing that you probably fear most mm. of all the, of like the lead up to birth and after was probably the one I had the most power and I felt the most strong and I was so much more capable of doing it than I thought I was. So I would have no fears currently about giving birth again. But I'm very lucky that I had that experience. See, I have a bit of a theory about birth in that it is one of the few times in life where you are forced to switch your head off. Oh, yeah. And completely put your entire trust in your body and in yourself. So whilst everything else can be overthought and premeditated and anxious and will I do this or will I do that? Spiral, spiral. In birth, you are entirely present for like, like it is the ultimate mindfulness. It is. You're so primal. You are so primal. You are so present. You are so grounded in what is happening to my body right now. And that's hormonally fueled. And like, obviously, biology has evolved us to do that. Because if you were to think about what's actually happening, there is no way you could achieve it. Yeah. And if you were think if you were to think about what was happening, you'd probably start to get self-conscious about all the things that can happen, like such as, you know, your bodily stuff, exiting your body while you're on the table, which did happen to me and it was fine. And Barry was <laughs> I remember saying, um, did I I mean, people poo when they're giving birth and it's fine. And I said, um, did I did I did I just do a poo? And he and the nurse was so nice, the midwife, she was like, No, 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 all good, all good. And Barry was like, Yeah. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> but I didn't care. I was like wonderful and then they're like we love to see a poo come yeah, because it yeah, means yeah. the baby's coming we love it yeah it's wonderful you're so primal you're so raw yeah. you're in your body yeah. and nothing makes you feel self-conscious nothing makes you feel insecure you're absolutely right i love birth did you poop yourself i well i no one told me oh okay I did. yeah um i have no indication so tom is really sound <laughs> I, yeah i don't think i did i don't think i did i think it would have been said by now <laughs> he told me other things like you know he had a sec, definitely on second time. He had a proper look <laughs> as to what was going on. I don't think he did on the first. It's um, like seeing what did it, Emma Thompson said in in that movie. It's like seeing your favorite pub burn down. Yeah, Robbie Williams, <laughs> I think, said it actually. Oh, was on, it on an interview? Yeah, yeah. He looked down. He was like, "It's like seeing your favorite pub burn to the ground." <laughs> um, but yeah, I had I I my memory, and this is another thing, right? I think. Our memories yes. of birth and our realities of birth are two very different things. Uh, but my my memory of birth was entirely strong, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm doing this, and I'm a mother. Like yeah. this is my baby. There definitely were moments throughout it which could have been. Um, or that was th- could have been threatened. And I think that if you are in any way approaching it with kind of a vulnerability, that those th- those feelings may not arrive to the surface mm-hmm. because of how the system is built um, and because of how what was happening for COVID. But I'm, I know from all of the conversations, I'm really fortunate to have had those feelings. And I do think that they... they contributed to how I felt in postpartum yeah. and there and, and, and onwards. Yeah. I I arrived post birth very well physically. Um 
I didn't have to deal with the risk of like infections and incredible painful, you know, I've had friends that are in just agony for days or weeks after birth with stitches, with infected stitches, with C-section recoveries. You know, there's so much that can happen to you physically that therefore impacts your energy levels at a time where you have no time to rest and heal. And it can kind of really spiral and that's why I'm I'm a real advocate for like birth being so unbelievably protected and respected and for women to be facilitated in a in the type of birth that makes them feel emotionally secure not just med- medically secure yeah because it's a domino and if you have a birth that even if there has to be medical intervention for a, you know, a, a really like warranted reason, you know, nobody wants to be like, no, I'm doing it my way. Yeah, but your baby's in harm. Like medical intervention that is done and delivered in a way that still makes the woman feel really respected, mm-hmm. really listened to, consulted, part of it as opposed to passive, out of control not able not being informed about what's happening to her body yeah those things have big impacts and that's I think has such an impact on postpartum so if we can get birth to be as kind as it possibly can and I think that's probably a word that I look back on my births and say I think my births were very very kind they Mm. were in no way easy and they were incredibly long and painful but they were overall kind and I would do it tomorrow like wow. if, if I were to if, if it was like surprise you didn't know you were nine months pregnant I'd do it tomorrow wow I that I, I wish we could bottle that whatever drug that went in and out of my veins when both my babies came out like the instant that they came out I was on some sort of like high mm. I've never taken drugs so I can only assume this is what people like rob handbags for (laughs) because it was immense and it definitely fueled me for a few days okay Um, it was really strong and like I was just the happiest person alive now I had like my legs in the air being like you know (laughs) like all shame is gone but for but something something chemically inside me that I didn't expect and I didn't know what happened like just lit up inside me and I was like oh my god this is amazing yeah um that's just nature doing its thing uh, you know yeah maybe yeah like I but like they just it, I, I, I also think if birth happened to men and men felt that chemical thing that happened in us they would have found a way to fake that that yeah. would be in a bottle somewhere yeah for sure yeah that would be on the shelves of every supermarket whenever you needed it'll pick me up. Mm. Um, I loved birth. I loved birth. We're both so fortunate that we had, I mean, of course it was painful. Of course it wasn't easy of, you know, both for, for both of us. I think it was, it didn't just, they didn't just pop right out. No. Um, but health wise, we had very safe, uncomplicated births. Um, but that's not the experience of everyone. No. And I, I, I feel like there needs to be a really developed post-birth program that mm-hmm. comes and like sits with the woman regardless of what happens and it's like that was a monumental life event for you 
talk to me. Yeah, process that. Process that. Because you shift so quickly then away from you. Oh, you are so forgotten. So it's like your last moments as you, if they were awful. Yeah. You don't let go of that. No. They are your last moments of you. And even like, and I say that after having a second, they were my last moments of the me that I had known now for three years. Mm-hmm. Like with each one, it's like this whole new person shows up. Yeah. The second that baby comes out and I'm not talking about the baby, I'm talking about you. And you have to meet her and you have to process what is a, the biggest thing that has happened and will happen in your life. A human being came out of you and and we're straight, you're straight into and I remember when both both my children, like the minute they're out, you're like, are they OK? Are they OK? Are they OK? Are they OK? You forget about you. Yeah. You totally forget about you. And I did like on, on Juliet's birth, she was born with, with the cord around her neck, um, which was was fine. And it happens very, very commonly. But I remember in that last push, she didn't come all. There was there was a feeling inside me. I can only describe it maybe as like um like uh, when you know when people do that thing where they jump off a cliff and the bungee jumping, yeah. So it was like she was coming, and then all of a sudden she was kind of bungeed back. Oh, and then there was you feel it. This is the thing. You're so emotionally tuned, I think, to everything that's going on in the room. I could feel attention somehow, and then it was really like, okay, you know, let's get her out. And she did come in the next push and they immediately, like they were prepared and they immediately took it off her. But I heard them say it. And like that was, there was probably three seconds of fear Mm. in the whole of her birth. Three seconds. But I, not only did I suppress it, so I took her to an osteopath a few, when she was about two months old, which I was advised to do anyway because it really helps their little heads and stuff like that. And I went through 45 minutes of talking about like both my labours, both my births, both my pregnancies, my physical health. It was this whole history going on. And then she went to massage her and she was like, was she born with the cord around her neck? I was like, oh my God, yeah, she was. (laughs) They're like, you didn't think to mention that. Yeah. I totally had like, the fear in me was like, "Mm -mm, no, we're not going there. We're not going there. You go over here, please. Let me enjoy this moment. We will revisit you later. But I never went back to it until that moment that she said it to me. And I was like, oh, my God. And I, it's in me now. But like, I will have moments where I might be driving. You know, ahead, you might see, Jesus, that car is like swerving in and out. Yeah, be careful. You know, it's like, oh, I don't, mm-hmm. don't, like, don't like that. That moment will pop into my head. Wow. So fear is stored. Yeah, the body never forgets. Trauma is stored. Something that has threatened our lives is stored. And I just think like for any woman who has had a birth that can't come out of it saying that that was really positive and I would do it again. Like there are counsellors that support you with birth trauma. Section, induction, vaginal emergency, at home, in hospital, or maybe even on the way. No matter how you birthed, no matter how it happened, no matter how long or quick, early or late, birthing your baby is a massive physical, emotional, mental, and hormonal stretch. And now is not the time to stop looking after you. 
Life as a new mother is intense, so while you focus on your baby's needs, make sure you have a system of support around you. Say yes to people bringing you food. Say yes to that offer of a shower or a nap. And continue to take Pregnicare by Vitabiotics, sponsors of this episode. Pregnicare New Mum is carefully formulated to support you after birth with iron, B6 and B12 to help reduce tiredness and fatigue and biotin and zinc to help maintain normal hair and skin. Pregnicare wants to start looking after you right now and are giving away three months of Pregnicare products to support your journey, plus a 200 euro one for all voucher, which you can enter on our Instagram page at stretchmarkspodcast. It is so normal to forget our own needs after birth, but you are the most important thing to your baby right now. Food supplements must not replace a varied and balanced diet and a healthy lifestyle, and you should always consult your doctor or pharmacist before using. So you asked on Instagram for people to share their experiences of of birth. I'm sure you got some varying reports. It was a real, um, yeah, a lot of people participated in this because I think like everyone loves a birth story. Yeah. Like I love when my friends give birth and I'm like, take, they'll they'll, like might shortcut it. And I'm like, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. Was there a show a few days before the pain started? Take me right back. I love a birth story. It's, it must be like something in us that's like a David Attenborough nature documentary yeah. thing, the curiosity of just seeing us in the wild like that going back oh, to our primal roots and like, I have midwife friends that I am like incredibly jealous of their jobs until I sit down and talk to them <laughs> because it's like they are so underfunded under supported underappreciated and it just drives me it just gets me so so angry on their behalf but like I would do it tomorrow until I hear about actually how difficult it is it's so difficult yeah. to do that job Okay, so in the Q&A, a little like you, I wanted to find out whether people thought kind of birth was easier than expected, harder mm-hmm. than expected, as expected. Uh, 51% did find it harder than expected. 24% easier than expected and 25% as expected. I think I found moments of it harder than expected. Like I didn't um, dilate naturally at all, despite like 36 hours of contractions. Oh my God. But the minute... The minute I dilated, I opened and she was out. Okay. So like there was a half an hour or something crazy between like you're not dilated at all to like your baby's in your arms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have like really, really, really long, painful pre-labors, which I wasn't prepared for. So I would have said like the pushing part was like way easier than expected. Yeah. The thing about like expectation with pregnancy is it's really hard for the human brain to anticipate pain and know what it's going to feel like until you're in it. And I think the way we look back on pain, the way we're talking about our births, you do kind of put it in a box and say oh yeah because I handled it I could handle it again and it probably gets a little bit smaller in your head like for example I think I'll be able to handle if I was pregnant again the nausea Mm -hmm. and then I feel sick for some reason and I'm like oh my god no oh my god and you can never feel it until you feel it it's really tricky to anticipate it I wanted to know then the kind of the various ways we give birth so on your first 24% had an emergency section oh god now they are those, they're the, the women that I just think, God help you. Because whatever about the planned section and you getting your mind in, in, in that, but to be told in that emergency situation, right, this isn't working. And you've already been through all to surgery. the labour, yeah. Whereas that's down to 8% on their second, however, then the planned section is higher. So 
it feels like, okay, so you've had the section on your first, on the second, you're probably going to book that in. You're going to yeah, know yeah. and anticipate it. Um, I am curious though, because I remember, I mean, people do say if you have a section once, you don't necessarily have to have one again. You can have the V-back. You can work yeah. towards the V-back. Yeah, but I think you have to do it in like really strong consultation. Yeah. So it's I not said, to disturb any of the scar tissue. When I was talking about doing a, a planned section, my consultant was like, well, let's just chat about like how many babies do you see yourself yeah. having? Because if you want to have four... I was like, no, um, <laughs> it's probably not great to like open yourself up that many four times. times. So yeah. um, one positive, if you are about to have your second, is that 60% said that, yes, my body knew what the story was and that birthing second time round was easier. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, that's really reassuring. And I think that's at a mental and a physical level. Like it's familiar. It's familiar. Your body has done that stretch and it like. I don't think we ever go back. Your no. body has done that stretch. Your 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 uterus knows what the situation is. Your vagina knows what the situation is. Your cervix knows what the situation is. It was, it was quicker. It couldn't have been longer for me. It was quicker. We were still talking about a day and a half, but it was definitely mentally easier to deal with. Yeah, I think I think so much of that is probably in the mind and not the body. Did your waters break? No. At all? No. I had to get them broken in broken. there. Mm. I asked a question on that because obviously... I wanted that moment. I wanted to drown my kitchen out. Yeah, but then... But 20% have that. This is the thing. This only, is again, 20, this only 20% have their waters break? Have that epic Hollywood oh. moment. Again, it's totally fictitious. It doesn't happen that way. You know when you're like standing there and they're like, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, my waters are broken. And they're immediately like leaning against a wall in <laughs> yeah. horrific pain. Doesn't work like that. So 20% burst in an epic Hollywood moment. 21% broke but slowly leaked all day. That's me on mm. both my on both of mine. Really. So what do you do then? Just sit on the toilet all day or? No, like so I, the the big sanitary pads that you have afterwards, the big maternity yeah. pads afterwards, I went through packets of them. So I had to order them in the hospital for actually like postpartum because I'd use them all up. Okay. Um, And I had bought, you know, like the puppy pads for the floor when you're like training your puppies <laughs> yeah. to put in the car. Okay. Anyway, for like going in and out or to like, I slept with the, one of those under the sheet of the bed for a few days before I was due to give birth. So when your waters were in the middle of, in the midst of like coming out, you were like popping to the shops and everything? No. Why were you in and out of the car? You're getting into the car to go into hospital. Oh, the hospital, sorry. Yeah. I thought you were like, just popping down to Tesco. No. <laughs> no, I did go for walks around the neighbourhood and I yeah. had like loads of that, those maternity pads. Like they're yeah. not, it's not like, it's hard to describe, but it's not, you're not like, bringing a river with you <laughs> you know but like there'll be a kind of a lit you know a, a trickle yeah all the time and then some of those trickles are bigger and that's all the amniotic fluid is it yeah all kind of leaking out throughout the day uh 40 had to be broken by the doctor or midwife and 19 percent broke during active labor and can i ask you as well at, like if if all the waters are they're gone and then mm. does that mean your bump gets much much smaller i don't know did you not notice your bump because all of the liquid got, like No, like the majority of it didn't come out until she was coming out. Okay. So what I also didn't know is you kind of have like two pockets of water. So one of mine was coming and then the other there was like a proper as, as the baby came out, loads of water came out. Okay. So a lot of my water was kind of up behind the baby. Yeah. Because she would they were my babies were really, really low. So they were like... Because they still need some water to be in until they're out, yeah. right? So they were like plugged into okay. my cervix. So they were literally like plugging the bath hole. The water wasn't allowed <laughs> to come out because they were down so low. 
um, which meant really easy pushes. But so there was one benefit of me not like having like I literally had to pee every three seconds for months in advance. Do you remember birth as being so 45 percent said positive, which is really, I think, a figure I wasn't expecting yeah. to be so high. But there are 37 percent have said traumatic. Wow. So if you are in that 37 percent, heal from it would be my only advice. Don't carry that. If you could give birth again tomorrow, would you? 53% said yes. It was wow. so incredible. Yeah. 47, are you absolutely mad? No. So the amount of people who would do it again is higher than the people who said it was doable. So that means some of the people who said it wasn't doable would do it again. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Worst parts of giving birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, here we go. This proves it. Midwives not listening to me. That is, so So if you're carrying stuff, it might not have been a physical part of birth that was really hard, but simply like you not, not being, being respected, you not being heard. Yeah. Um, the unknown, the contractions. Yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not good. Being told you're not dilated enough. Oh, Lord have mercy. So as I said, I never dilated naturally. The, the I had to have uh, Syntocin put into me for my body to, to open up. But as I said, the second it did, they flew out. Um, that pain of feeling like I've been doing this for you, like yeah, 30 are hours. Joking? Are you joking? And, on, and it wasn't little pain. You know, it there was a lot of pain. And I couldn't even have gas and air because I couldn't be moved into a room. You know, so on, on my first, definitely that feeling of being really trapped because I wouldn't open. But actually then that anxiety made me more tense. Could they not have given you the synthosin sooner? No. They won't They won't bring you in to the room to then do anything with your birth until you're slightly, like, until your dilation has occurred. But you hadn't dilated, so you had to get the synthosin? So because my waters now had gone for over 24 hours. Okay, now they have we, to act. We, yeah, they had to. So it was like... You told us risk of infection, but we had to really advocate for that. Wow. To, like on, their, on our first, not on our second. It was a completely different experience on the second where they were the ones shouting at me being like, you waited too long at home. Okay. Um, we need to get that antibiotic into you right now. And I'm like, yeah, well, God. it was a pandemic, so I was waiting at home. It's really hard to go in knowing what you should be asking for and what not. Because especially yeah. if it's your first time, like I'm just trusting that they know best. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to trust that they'll know when like to do things. So I didn't. I didn't ask for anything. I, you know, I followed their lead. So it, I guess it would be really helpful to know, like, what kind of ways to speak up for yourself, what kind of questions mm. to ask. Mm. Even I was getting the epidural and I got the epidural on my first and my second. I have had disc surgery. So when I was ha- a few weeks before I was due, I was brought in for a little, um, they they assessed my spine for could it take the epidural. And where, at what level it could take it. So they were really, really on it. And then obviously in the pandemic, things like that just like weren't happening. And when I was getting the epidural on my first, I remember them saying, now lie on the side of injury and let the epidural like flow into that zone. Okay. And then on my second, they were putting me on to the opposite side. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was told last time I had to lie on the side of injury and let the epidural flow into that zone. And it was like, no, that's, that's not a thing. And off he goes, right? Job done, epidural in, man disappears. It did not take on my injured side at all. Oh, not one bit. So I was completely 50% of my body numb, 50% of my body completely active and responding to labour. That's 
really weird. Yeah. It must feel really weird. So I still have a lot of um, pain to do with the fact and even like I'm going to like somebody to try and like look at posture and stuff. Part of my body, it was literally like my body was folding over on itself Mm. in a rocking motion with one completely like flat, unresponsive and the other like curling on top of itself. Uh, not recommended. So mm-hmm. if you have, all I'd say is if you have disc issues and have had like surgery and stuff in your back before, be really clear and talk to them and don't just be like, oh, okay, you're the expert because yeah. it doesn't always work. There's just, there's so many variables. I think that's the hardest thing to get around, to wrap your head around with as you approach birth. And which that's probably why I wanted to have the section was to just take away all of mm. those variables. But at the same time, like I said, even though, you know, that can be very anxiety inducing. Your body does take over and say, we're going to get through this Mm. in the lead up to it. I think that's probably really common. So some of the positive responses, because birth can be positive, obviously. So some of the best parts of giving birth, seeing the baby at the end, the excitement of knowing you have to go to hospital, it's time. Yeah. That skin to skin time at the end. A lot of these are about actually the moment of baby and, yeah. not, and not birth itself. But uh, yeah, the end result. Did anyone baby. say the tea and toast? I hated the tea and toast. <laughs> yeah, I my hated tea was the tea too and strong toast. and my toast was burnt. My, I was too nauseous. Yeah. I did not want to be looking at any sort of tea and toast. And my husband ended up eating it. <laughs> um, yeah, the epidural. The epidural was a good moment for this person. Yeah. The sleep I had after the epidural took effect was bliss. Seeing my newborn, new, seeing my newborn, and getting them into my arms that first time, everyone rooting for me at the end. Oh, I love that. Actually, I do yeah. have a really positive memory of of I was like really in it now, and I remember looking up at my husband and making eye contact and just being like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And like three people's voices in unison were like, You can do this. I'm like, I can do this, and I could. And that's 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 such an amazing feeling. Uh, but yeah, m- most of these responses, I will say, are about the moment that it is over and baby arrives into your arms. Did you get a um, sense of how many people have had sections versus vaginal? Yeah, so that was covered. So the emergency section, 24% emergency section, 10% planned section. Oh, sorry, yes. yeah, On their first. Um, and then those figures are similar, but flipped on the second. So okay. the emergency ones become planned. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Did you have the epidural? So 68% of women did have the epidural. Wow. Um, did you tear giving birth? So 58% yes. I was cut. Were you? Yeah. And how was your episiotomy recovery? Because that was one of the real worries for me. That was, it actually went a lot better than I thought, but the worry that it was not going okay and not really knowing what it should look like or feel mm. like and not really being able to see, mm. you know, having to get your partner up in there um, like <laughs> bedroom normal killer. and you're like I don't know yeah. what normal so looks like because of how I was feeling um, I had like a, a really intense postpartum sweats mm-hmm. um, I was I mean drowning in sweat and then that would evaporate and I had I got really cold and I had the shakes so I had all the hallmarks of maybe there being an infection when really it was a combination of anxiety and just hormone changing so um, I had gone back in because they said we have to check it make sure it's not infected and they said it looked fine but I mean it doesn't look nice so it's hard to know mm. um, you have to be very aware of how you're feeling and yeah it was hard for me to distinguish between how I was feeling being like normal or not um, So, I, but they do say it's better for it to be manually cut than 
then torn because they couldn't kind of control it. Yeah. Um, it. I think it was small. It did. I'm not sure if because a lot of the pel- the postpartum sort of pelvic issues I had, the pelvic floor issues um, persisted. And the pain always felt on that side of where the tear was. Mm. I kind of wasn't sure if like that, there was some sort of long-term trauma there. Um, it's much better now, but it took me a good year and a half to feel like I didn't have... I have a friend who went to somebody for like back and hip and pelvic pain and all that kind of stuff. And just from watching her walk, he could tell which side... Yeah. The episiotomy was. Yeah. Like, because we do, we protect ourselves. You know, we learn to sit a certain way. Yeah. And then that becomes a habit. But then that habit knocks something else out. So, like, there's so much, there's so much that can happen. My poor mother, like, we, you know, we talk about not being able to advocate for yourself now. But, like, she was telling me a story after I had Caitlin because she wouldn't have dared to tell me beforehand when, you know, this is back in a few years ago <laughs> when she had my brother and there was a six year age gap between us because I think she was quite traumatised mm. after the birth experience and she had torn and she was sitting on you know that cushion seat mm. um, just because you can't you, she didn't want the to, ring yeah the ring um, and she was like I don't feel right I don't feel right and they're like don't be ridiculous and it was all it was very much um, like nuns and priests and stuff at the time um, and the master was very very who are really like they're up to speed on yeah. our vaginas <laughs> they know what we need the master of the rotunda um, I think had come into her and was like he was a very cold sort mm. of unfeeling person and you know women were being hysterical and all that kind of stuff and he was like don't be ridiculous you know she was told she was being hysterical and ridiculous and she was not feeling well. And as it turned out, they she kept, she had to persist. She was like, I am not okay. There's something wrong mm. here. They had left a piece of gauze inside her that got infected. Like she was on bloody death's door and no one took her seriously. Mm. So it's really important to, I mean, I hope that's not. Well, that, on this mm. question, did you feel listened to and consulted at birth or after? No, the medical team took over 36%. Yeah. So there are still 36% of women that have felt that feeling of you're not listening to me. Yeah. Still fighting for that. And that that has to change. So when I went back into the hospital to get checked out, I felt really silly in a way because there was nothing wrong. But actually, it's the same way we, you know, when you're in pregnancy and you think, oh, I, I'm not, I haven't felt enough movement. I'm going to go in. And you think, oh, I'm, am I being silly? No, you're not being silly. If you need the reassurance, if you think something is off and you don't feel right, you know your body, you, you're mm. the one in it. You can feel it. You can trust your body. Get go and get checked out. Go and say something. I don't feel right. And if everything's fine, that's what everybody wants. Everyone wants you to be fine. And if something's not okay, it's it's up to you to to vocalize that. And that's reiterated here. So I asked if you could go back and change anything, what would it be? The answers: demand to be listened to, believe in myself more, doing more prep and having more self belief, insist they check me to confirm I was further along than I thought. There's so many that are about actually how they believe in themselves and speak on behalf of themselves or advocate for their needs instead of being that I'm doing this for the first time. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just going to go with the flow and see what happens. Second time round, the mams are like, no, actually, my body, my rules. Here's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's like here. Not lie on the bed like they told me to, but couldn't talk. Advocate for myself more. Refuse induction. Speak up. Be ready to push back. All of them. Literally, I'm not selecting these. I'm just going one by one. Yeah. All of them relate to I didn't feel listened to. 
They're not saying like I would have changed how many pairs of baby socks I put into my bag. That's not the issue. And yet that's what we're marketed. We're like, oh, you know, here's what to put in your baby bag. No, this is the important stuff. It's awful to think that in a situation that's so critical and important and primal and really, you know, giving birth is a high risk thing to do. It's awful to think that in that situation, a part of us could get caught up in not wanting to like be be difficult yeah. or be tricky yeah. or people pleasing in that moment. Stay small. Like that. Don't, don't put, don't kick up a fuss Yeah, now. they're busy because I always felt like, oh, it's COVID, they're busy. You know, it's not, you're not the no, only I'm person sure there here. Is. Yeah. And I, and I, and I do believe, I don't think, just because women have experienced this, I don't believe that it is intentional that they experience this. I don't think that the caregivers are, no. are deliberately in the majority of instances making people feel like this. It is unfortunately they the system that they're working Yeah, it's in. the system. Yeah, absolutely. They don't have time to listen to us. Um, and that was asked actually as well. Um, where I asked... Oh yeah, okay. And that came up again. So I did ask that actually in your experience of our maternity system, is it fit for purpose? So I'm like staffing levels, beds, pace, the salaries, etc. 83% said no. Wow. Which I actually thought would be higher. Um, we'll finish on a positive. Please. The tea and toast. <laughs> <laughs> 64 said the greatest meal they ever had. Yeah. I, I disagree. 36% said no. The chocolate and tea when you get home. Oh, probably. yeah. Probably probably a little bit better I mean I did have some nice like fish and chips and like the Rotunda had class meals and I really have to say the cupcake they give you Mm. was the dream makes it all worthwhile (laughs) that and the baby thank you for listening you can follow us on stretch marks podcast on Instagram so you can see what we'll be discussing next and get involved with the questions and the polls or share what you'd like us to talk about next don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and do share the love for stretch marks it really helps us grow this community and it means the world to us as well catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.